Welcome to the October 19th edition of the PFF Forecast. We have a fantastic show. We have tons of guests. We're, of course, leading off with uh, our favorite on, uh, we don't play favorites, but on Wednesday, it's Seth Galina. He's going to break down Thursday night and Sunday night. He has a pet peeve for us. We've got Judah Fortgang, who's going to break down um, his live betting strategy. He writes a phenomenal piece there. He also gave out alt lines. He gives out alt lines and nailed Jets minus five and a half last week. So we're going to talk about that. Really great debut on, on the podcast. We have a special segment um, where we have a specialist on teasers. A little, little bit of humor being brought in with Zach Tantillo. Uh, and we're going to close it out with our lock of the week with Tej, Tej Seth. And you've been waiting for this. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm going to read my DMs. Raw, uncut, unfiltered. Um, I have purposely been waiting. I have not responded to anybody on Twitter just for this podcast so that I can go through them and talk about them. That'll be to close out the pod. Let's rock. Kick it off with our, our favorite Seth, Seth Kalina. Seth, you got two you? Seths on the show, so that's... I know, I know. Yeah. But but he's, you know, his last name is Seth. So yeah. I'm getting away with, you know, the, the first... Among people with last name Seth, Tej is my favorite. He's okay. a better quarterback, is that fair? Uh, let's not get into it, man. I, I don't want to my I don't want you guys to test my manhood this early in the show. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Seth Galina, who if you do not uh, follow, uh, you're missing out because not only is he well educated from a football perspective, but gives tremendous life lessons on on social media. Um, a member of Canada wearing a very Canadian flannel uh, on the pod right now, um, and uh, claim to fame has many, but currently helps the best in the business prepare for Thursday and Sunday night football. And by that, I mean, Chris Collinsworth and Kirk Herbstreet. So he comes on every single week and breaks down both those matchups. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Let's start your saints, Seth, because mm. everyone knows people in Canada, big fans of the New Orleans saints are going to Arizona, now, Arizona, two and a half point favorite cliff Kingsbury um, is in a casket. The, the lid is slightly ajar. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins is returning. Um, where do you start with this game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, first of all, I want to say the fleur de lis, which is the mm. New Orleans Saints logo, and the a symbol of New Orleans in Louisiana, also a symbol of uh, the province of Quebec, which is where I'm from. So there is some so I'm just connection there. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I didn't want to say it out loud. Yeah, well, you know, as long as you welcome said. to Jets Anyways. Twitter, Seth. <laughs> so yeah, I think you know you look at this game. I could talk about the Saints for for three hours. Won't do that. Let's talk about Kyler Murray because I think this is Kyler Murray and Cliff, like you mentioned, because this is really this is the end if they don't win this game, right? So Kyler Murray, I think my theory on him is just. He's obviously a relatively unique quarterback in the types of things that he could do. There's a little Russell Wilson in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think as I've looked at his career, when he's when the Cardinals are winning games, he is making plays outside the pocket. 
When the Cardinals are not winning games, it's because he's not making plays outside the pocket. He is basically our lowest graded passer from outside the pocket out of wow. structure. I think he's third lowest to be to be um, specific on outside the pocket pa- pass plays this season. And the Cardinals just can't move the ball at all. Now, you're hoping that getting DeAndre Hopkins back, getting kind of like a, a bailout type of receiver back in this lineup that they haven't had not just this season, but also the end of last season, that can help them, A, outside of structure plays, but also B, just getting the ball down the field, which they've also had trouble creating explosive plays. So they're banking. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is like career almost is banking on getting back a top five receiver and them being able to do really anything on offense because they've been mm-hmm. they've been horrible recently. Real quick on that. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best you know receivers of the decade. Is it really as simple as just he's that good? Or what does he also just enable you to do? Does he create space for other guys? Just like what is his impact and how is he a force multiplier to make everyone better on this offense? I think it helps. They're having such a hard time pushing the ball down the field. And some of that, some sometimes the receivers are open and Kyler's just missing, and, and that could revert, that could bounce back just naturally. But I also think one of their issues that, that probably they don't have a fix for this year is the fact that when they want to push the ball down the field, they don't have this one-on-one sideline player. A.J. Green is, is not that type of player anymore. He used to be. Marquise Brown, who's injured, but who had played in John Jaharpin's spot for the first six weeks of the season, is not that player either. So when they want to push the ball downfield, we're talking about having to take deeper shots on plays where you have to read something out. It's not just, okay, is the safety in the middle of the field? I'm going to throw a one-on-one jump ball to my favorite player. This is, I got to read it out. I have to wait for someone to make a, to, you know, a safety to jump up, and then I throw it over the other safety, etc. They don't have the tackles to do that right now. Uh, Humphreys and Beecham just not getting the job done, getting beat clean uh, often. It's not very good. And then the the kind of multiplier with that is Cliff wants to not have his running back as part of those protections, which means you have a lot of five-man protections. This is the air raid offense. So you don't have a lot of time back there if you're Kyler Murray. They can't get the ball down the field. Obviously, if he was making plays outside the pocket, yeah, maybe we wouldn't be talking like this, but, but he's not. So just getting DeAndre Hopkins back helps you at least say, hey, we can throw a jump ball on the sideline. Hey, we can do this down the sideline. A comeback, a jump ball, something down the field, a go ball, it doesn't matter. Something down the field where it's not this timing read. It's just really one, two, three. It, and if, the, if I have a one-on-one, I take it. So I think that helps them. That is where he becomes a force multiplier. Obviously, if you want to put you know two sets of eyes on him, a safety and the corner, that can open up stuff on the other side of the field as well. So I guess if you had to put your money on it, is Kyler, like are Kyler and Cliff going to turn it around, you know, uh, in thinking about this matchup as well and, and, you know, will this be the a game that they can take advantage of it? Like, wh- what do you think? What do you think happens here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pro- this, this experiment's probably run its course, I think a little bit. I think it's kind of done. And I like this, a lot of the stuff that they had done early on in their time together. But it's just clearly, it, there's not enough being kind of schemed up right now to mm-hmm. help Kyler, I think. 
So that's kind of where I am right now. And another thing that I look at is like when I go and watch their play action attempts, which A, there aren't many of them, especially over the last three weeks. I want to say 17 non-RPO, non-screen play actions over the past wow. three weeks. And, and, they've been, and they've been down in game, so I understand it, but they haven't thrown the ball a lot. But when you watch those plays, one of their issues is, you know, they're in shotgun. They don't, maybe just don't do a good enough job making it look like they're about to run the football when the ball is snapped. And you can see linebackers just getting so much depth when it's a play action pass. And it's like, well, mm. how, how, are we, how are we gonna complete these balls where we're trying to hit these windows where linebackers used to be because we've pulled them in, we've sucked them into the running action. Those aren't there. So it's just been tough to create offense when Kyler maybe isn't playing at his highest level. And that's kind of been true for forever. When Kyler is not playing at his highest level, when DeAndre Hopkins is not playing at his highest level, uh, when John Hopkins is not in the lineup, I should say. So that's kind of been my thing. And I think there, there just could be um, a, a shift away from all this, this air raid type of stuff that they do um, for, for Kyler. And I think that could help them, uh, could help his career moving forward. Where, where are you on Kyler long term? Like, is he I'm trying to think about a good like player to kind of would you rather him with? You know, like I don't know. You look at um, you look at the the guys from a year ago. You know, Lawrence Wilson, those guys, Fields. We talked about last week. Guys who you still don't really know yet were highly touted prospects. Um, you know, like how you know are you taking a flyer on a young guy over over Kyler? Because you're gonna have to you're you're paying Kyler now. Right. So is he a guy that you are willing to pay that money or are you taking a shot on a younger guy that you're taking in the top 10, you know, a la Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence? I, I still think you take a shot on him. I'd like to see him in a more, in a, in a, let's say, less unique offense. And I don't mean unique. And I do mean unique in a, in a more of a derogatory way in that sense. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to see him in, in more of a, uh, a bread and butter um, offense, let's say. Because, you know, when you look at some of the stuff that they're doing with the, the, the air raid, quote unquote, and it's just like, it, I just don't know if it works at the NFL level. I don't know if the mm-hmm. tempo that you're using, all that no huddle, is really doing the damage that it does at the college level, where, mm-hmm. where defenders are not as intelligent. Um, you can't have as many plays if you're running all this tempo. So NFL defenders are saying, oh, well, if you're not moving around, if you're not running a ton of different formations and so on and so forth, well, we know what you're about to run. So that's a problem for you. Mm-hmm. In college, you can get away with that. So I think that and then different personnel groupings. And like I said, the play action game not being very uh, unique, not a lot of motion to, to, to give you some eye candy, some misdirection. So I, I, again, I, there were certain things that he did early in his career uh, as an NFL head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, but I think they've gotten away from a lot of that stuff, and and I'm not uh, not super into the offense anymore. Yeah, you know, another side of that is int- it's interesting. Thinking about like the college to NFL progression in college, and, and this is changing a little bit, but it's still true. Like guys in college are not at peak athletic, you know, uh, state yet, right? It's not their job yet. Like they're still doing a bunch of other stuff, right? They're trying to, you know. They're, they're trying to go to class in some situations, you know, they're going to parties, they're, you know, talking to girls, you know, for the first time from out of state, like, there's a lot of things going on. When you're at the NFL, you're, you know, you're in peak athletic conditioning, right? You could stay on the football field forever, you know, and these corners are out there, you know, you're not wearing on them both physically and mentally with that. 
Whereas in college, like these guys are new to this whole thing and you're really preying on a lot of their kind of weaknesses and in the pros, like, yeah, you want to put, you want to put me at, you know, on the field for 90 straight plays and I gotcha. You know, you're just running the same play over and over again. Um, we managed not to talk really at all about the Saints, so maybe you'll bring them up here. Um, what's the biggest matchup, uh, you know, advantage, disadvantage here that you're watching in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be John Shea Hopkins versus Saints cornerback Bradley Roby. It should be Bradley Roby. I think watching the Bengals game from last week, that Roby played on that side where John Shea Hopkins is going to be. You don't have Marshawn Lattimore. He's still out. Lattimore would have tracked him. He would have played there anyways because he would have tracked mm-hmm. John Shea Hopkins, who always plays left wide receiver. So he would have been there anyways, but now it's going to be Bradley Roby. I would imagine it's possible they bring Paulson Adebo to the other side. Either way, you know, this is the matchup that you got to look at and say, hey, if the Cardinals can win this matchup, they can start pushing, moving the ball a little better. Now, obviously, like they can't run the football. The only thing they can do on the ground is Kyler Murray's legs in design quarterback runs and the scrambles. So they, they, this is the, the one they need to win this one. They don't win this one. And if the, and it, you know, it could be the Saints are playing cover two. They do play a lot of cover two and to keep, like I said, you know, two sets of eyes over there on DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, if they can't do that, that is going to be a problem. I will say that the Seahawks played some cover two against the Cardinals last week, and they had some success over the middle of the field in those in those areas where you're a little light when you play cover two. This, again, the Saints do play cover two, so it's possible they can mitigate, um, you know, having kind of a quote-unquote double team on DeAndre Hopkins with some throws over the middle of the field. Um, okay, let's let's uh, make some bets here. Cardinals are minus two and a half. Um, start with you, Brad. Where are you going? We got to keep, uh, you know, talk about our guy, DeAndre Hopkins. We, we talked to him a bunch. Um, Seth, what do you think about uh, his over five and a half receptions for DeAndre Hopkins? Do you think they're just going to be feeding him, you know, all night long? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you, Marquise Brown is out. Robbie Anderson, who they just traded, will, probably won't get. He, I think he's going to dress. I don't think he'll get a lot of snaps. Uh, he'll be replacing probably A.J. Green on the other side. I think that's kind of going to be the role for him moving forward. I, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, I know we're supposed to take unders on, on receptions, and I might have made some money doing that this weekend. However, I like going over, and I also, my, I also have an over for receptions, and that's the other side of the field with okay. uh, Marquez Callaway. So we're taking okay, over on receptions. What is that one at? Uh, I didn't even see. I didn't even look, and I probably should have looked. But um, I don't care what it is because it's going to be a low number. Okay. The Cardinals play off coverage. In the past few games, they're allowing easy completions to the sideline. I just I like Marquez Callaway in that role just because I'm not saying Marquez Callaway is a good receiver, but I think going up, going up against Marco Wilson is not a great corner. Going up against Byron Murphy, who he has a size advantage against, whichever side of the field they put him on. And like I said, they play off. They don't press. They're so afraid of pressing this Cardinals team. They don't play a lot of man coverage. They're afraid of playing man coverage because the Chiefs killed them in week one. They have, they've barely played man since that week. So uh, Marcus Callaway, whatever it is, over receptions. That's well said. Um, I'm rocking with DeAndre Hopkins over five and a half receptions. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking yours too, Seth. So... Um, love those. By the way, you're talking uh, too high here, um, which is the name of your former uh, podcast, which is a great listen with Deontay uh, Lee, now at The Athletic, who we love. Um, and rumor has it, as we take a quick break between our Sunday game, 
that you are working on what you have deemed the worst uh, piece of the year, which means it's going to be great. Um, Probably sucks right now. That's okay. That's how all great things are. Um, And it's going to be on too high coverage. Want to tell us a little more about that? Yeah, you know, this is what we've been talking about in the NFL for a year and a half, two years now. It's like all this too high coverage, scoring is down, passing efficiency is down. How are the Chiefs going to beat it? How is this team going to beat it? And looking at some of the teams that I think were a little unexpected in terms of how good they've been on offense this year, the Falcons, the Dolphins, the Dolphins with a healthy, you know, Tua, and even the Eagles, who I think obviously people thought they would be good, but not third highest EPA per play in the league good probably, is that they're all running the option. Like at the end of the day, like one of the issues with running the football, as we've talked about kind of ad nauseum, is when you load the box, it's hard to run the football, period. But when you play with two high safeties and you have a lighter box, guess what? It's also still hard to just hand the ball off and run the football, right? The efficiency numbers are just still not there. They're a little better, but they're still not great. So how do we get these numbers even um, kind of more back in our favor on offense? Well, we use the quarterback, right? We use the quarterback as as a as a ball handler, as a quarterback runner. Marcus Mariota, they're running the option a lot. Jalen Hurts, they're running the option a lot. It doesn't look like Army or Navy or Oklahoma in 1970, but it's the option. It's kind of an inverted option in a sense. You saw it on Sunday night, the Eagles absolutely killing the Cowboys with A.J. Brown into the flat, wide open. It's option. Reading the end, reading the overhang, you know, you have the, the ability to do three things. Give it to the running back, quarterback run, or flip it out to the receiver, to the quote-unquote pitch man. So I think these are the things that teams, interesting ways that teams are getting kind of back at these two high defenses. Look, you can throw the ball if you're a really good football player at quarterback. Um, but if you don't have that type of player, and again, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, Marcus Mariota, probably not those type of players, you can do other things with them. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that, that really does sound like an awful, awful piece of content. So th- thankfully you got, uh, <laughs> yeah. you got it out here and we don't have to read it now. Um, all jokes aside, looking forward to very much reading all of the work that you do have time to put out. And we'll dig into that more uh, next week or whenever it is that you do publish it. But you mentioned Tua. Tua's on Sunday night. It's Dolphin Steelers. Uh, Brad and I were talking about this off air, which is like, how did we end up with this game? For people wondering how we ended up with this game, here's the, here's the thing. The Steelers rate really well. So when you think about how they're putting together the schedule, people at NBC are going, hey, we need some Steelers games. By the way, they have a rookie quarterback. Now, it's not going to work out for them because... Uh, he's in concussion protocol, but that's kind of the thought process here. And the Dolphins getting all of those players, they have a, a decent fan base because of all their, their historical success. So this game, even though it's not particularly sexy from a football perspective, you know, there's a ratings reason why this is here. Let's talk a football reason that is of interest. Seth, where do you start with this one? You know, who's going to play quarterback for the Dolphins should be to uh... I have been in love with what Mike McDaniel has done to that offense. When you watch it, you see the elements that made him and Kyle Shanahan successful in San Francisco, but from the shotgun. Like that's been the really one of the biggest differences is, hey, you know, 
We want to keep Tua comfortable. We're going to put him back in the shotgun, unlike what we did with Jimmy Garoppolo. We were more under center. I think I had looked it up. It's about the 49ers from or the past three seasons were about 10% under league average in terms of shotgun rate, and the Miami Dolphins this season are 10% above league average in terms of shotgun rate. And it allows them to do what I just talked about, and that's like read defensive ends, get outside the pocket that way, and kind of like, again, run option football to kind of mitigate what they kind of don't have at quarterback. The other thing that I love watching is, and this was true in San Francisco, these guys, Kyle Shanahan and now Mike McDaniel, they are so good at at getting their quarterbacks good looks over the middle of the field. They get guys open over the middle. It's the shortest throw, right? Right in front of you. Mm -hmm. But it's the toughest throw because you have people in front of you. Mm -hmm. But they are so good at creating those openings. And you're seeing it again with, with honestly, whoever's been playing quarterback for the for the Dolphins. Third thing that I'm really interested in is that I've been that I've been interested in with the Dolphins offense is that their uses of personnel. They've done what and again, it's kind of what San Francisco has done to a certain degree, but they're playing in formations, they're playing with a fullback, they're playing with two tight ends because you have uh Mike Gesicki who's like, you know, a hybrid type of player, though Gesicki is being asked to block a lot more. And what's that doing is it's giving their quarterbacks better looks just like what happened in San Francisco when you put a fullback on the field defensive coordinators get nervous they don't give you too high uh, you know when you play with heavier personnel when you play in tighter um, formations they don't give you as much too high that helps your quarterback especially when the two outside receivers getting these one-on-ones are Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. So I think McDaniel's just done a masterful job. And, you know, we'll see who's healthy for the, in the Pittsburgh secondary. I think there's a – it seems like there might be, even though they had a good game against Tom Brady of all people last week, I think there's still ways to get at them uh, if they're going to be um, as, as injured as they were last week. Yeah, so, you know, we just talked about Tom Brady and Mike Evans, talked about DeAndre Hopkins. Now you mentioned, you know, kind of the small speedster Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddles. And do you think – Again, not saying that DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be always an incredible player, but if you're trying to attack over the middle of the field and you have these guys that can run crossers, that can win, create yards after the catch, like is that kind of one of the counters that I just kind of steal a paragraph out of your article is basically what you know what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, look, you, there's a million ways to do this, and I think like the the guys like Mike Evans, that's and your lead. Hopkins. There's a million ways to do this, and I'm going to start with number one. <laughs> Estimated read time, six months. <laughs> yeah, that's um, – I'll be done the article in a, in a few weeks. Uh, so, yeah, look, you're always going to want players on the outside who can win one-on-ones, and those players are important. Now, the funny thing with Tyree Kill especially is that he can win one-on-ones on the outside because he's a really good football player. But yes, you also get those routes over the middle of the field where he can separate. Um, but I think there's there's always going to be, you know, it's tough because when you look at guys like Hopkins, like Mike Evans, those are elite players. They can also separate on the same type of routes. Not Maybe not as well as Tyreek Hill. Not, not a lot of people can do that stuff as well as Tyreek Hill. But, you know, uh, not to bring him up again, uh, but like a guy like Marquez Calloway, who's an outside receiver, he can do like one thing well. I'm not sure what that thing is, but I'm sure he does it well. But he can't do like 
that and that and that, the other thing, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's where you want these complementary receivers. I think, you know, when we just talk about the, the top receivers, they tend to be pretty good at a lot of things. You're kind of seeing it with A.J. Brown in, in, in Philadelphia. This is a relatively different offense than what he was doing in, in Tennessee where he was running these slants and short posts and all that stuff. And he's doing a lot more and he's just as successful because he's a really good player. So, yeah, I think like I think you can you can find ways um, to make it work with an elite receiver. And the Dolphins happen to have two of them. And like Gasicki's OK, too. Gasicki's really not bad as a receiver. His his inline blocking is slapstick comedy. So if you're into that sort of stuff, I highly recommend it. Um, but but he is a he is a useful player for them still. Um, all right, so biggest, uh, I have a feeling I know where you're going here, but biggest matchup or mismatch advantage that you see um, in this one is what? Yeah, I mean, it has to be, again, I, I don't know what the health of the, the Steelers' secondary is. They played well against Tampa Bay. However, Tom Brady was missing a lot. Tom Brady was like, he threw some, there were some really, really nice balls down the field, but there was a lot of just like simple stuff that he was like putting in the dirt. So, you know, if Tua's not going to be doing that and who knows, you know, what his what his health is, what his level of play is. But if he's not going to be doing that, I, I think that the the Miami pass catchers versus the Steelers secondary is the matchup that you want to look at. I had a feeling that's where you were going to go. Um, all right. Bets on this one. We've got Miami favored by seven. Um, Brad, where are you going with this one? Yeah, so seven is a lot of points, um, but I do love Miami and a couple teasers, bring them down to one point. Um, you know, I, I just think they're going to win this football game. Um, you, know, you look at Pittsburgh, they obviously won that miracle game last week, but they converted, I want to say, five third and ten pluses. It was mm-hmm. a bit of a fluky game. Um, so I'm looking at different ways to tease the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think they win this game. Seth, what about you? Yeah. It's just that seven is a big number, mm-hmm. but I, I so I would I would kind of hop on with Brad said and just trying to get that number down because I do think Miami is is the much better team, and I think that you know my my the concern I guess could be that I think Pittsburgh has some really good receivers to match up against the Miami man coverage that they play and maybe they can hit some plays down the field and maybe they can you know, create some, you know, force missed tackles after the catch to keep them in the game. But I, I do like the I do like the Dolphins. If you can get the number down a little bit from seven. Good news is we have Zach Tintillo coming on to talk us through teaser strategies. So we'll have plenty of uh, information for uh, everyone to figure out a, a nice teaser to play. I'm going to look to some props. I don't know if they're out yet um, for, for Sunday night, but Tyreek Hill you know, I don't know if his, it's going to be six and a half, or maybe all the way up to seven and a half. But you know, feeding him the ball, I would look to both he and Waddle as some potentials uh, for some overs on uh, receptions, um, potentially even uh, yards as well. I, I love how. Orange. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Seth. I was going to say, I love how it's all we've talked about, and all I've done for the past week is go unders on mm. receptions, and then come on here. And now we're with going you two guys who are supposed to know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. so you guys better know what you're talking about. And now we're going over on receptions for a bunch so of players. Here, so here's I'm ready for it, though. Here's the thing: when our uh, model that you can get access to on PFF dot 
uh, com and PFF Plus with a PFF Plus subscription. 25% off, promo code forecast, I might add. Um, has been really on the money with receptions props. Overs on receptions props that are higher, think about DeAndre Hopkins, think about Tyreek Hill, where it's printing money is on these unders that are in the low, you know, three and a half, two and a half range. Now you have to, you can't just pick like one or two. You've got to really flood the zone there. Um, but when you do, um, you're going to take advantage of it. I, I really think it does have something to do with the fact that teams are not really offensively figuring it out yet, uh, to, to your point, Seth. Um, we'll get you out of here on this. You are a man of many peeves, a pet peeve for you uh, this week that you'd like to rant about. All right, so last week I, I ranted a bit about how some people get upset when a tight end has to block a defensive end mm-hmm. and he gets beat and we say, oh my God, why are we having tight ends block defensive mm-hmm. ends? And I explained why it has to happen for other things to make sense schematically. Kind of going to do the flip side here, which is that sometimes you're going to have to drop your great edge rusher, your great defensive end, great defensive tackle into pass coverage. Yes, sometimes he's going to get left out on an island and a speeder, speedier receiver is going to get him. It's going to happen. But in order to get into all our exotic blitzes where we we get you know three offensive linemen to block one def- one defender while four defenders rush the other side against two offensive linemen and to get a free rusher we're gonna have to drop a defensive end or somebody might be our best player you know what i mean like it's gonna happen um now do you want to drop von miller 25 times in the coverage no but once or twice a game even is not really that big a deal there are some teams who have schematic issues where the packers are a good example of using preston smith like as a pass coverage guy by design, which I don't love, like without blitzing, but you can blitz, drop your defensive end, it's okay. It might You might get burned once in a while, but I think the benefits outweigh um, the negatives in that one. It's simple, just get a Micah Parsons, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's easy. I think that's the main thing, is just everyone should just draft five Micah Parsons and then we're good. Yeah. It was cool to see, by the way, like Baron Browning, not quite Micah Parsons, but, you know, drafted as a off-ball linebacker and now uh, pass rusher and is way better, <laughs> way more valuable. Yeah. It's going to make him a lot, uh, a lot of money. Um, Seth, we appreciate you. Thank you for hanging out. Have a wonderful Thursday night watching your Saints uh, give up at least six receptions to DeAndre Hunter. That's under, uh, sorry, over Callaway, over DeAndre and the Saints win. That's a good day. It's going to be a great day. Seth, we love you. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Welcome back. We've got uh, another great guest here on the podcast, Judah Fortgang, who writes some fantastic content uh, on PFF.com and the PFF app and takes uh, a really cool angle on sports betting, writes a couple of pieces that for members of the printing press will appreciate because we have a sophisticated audience. They're betting in game. They're taking alt lines. Uh, and that is exactly the kind of thing that you attack. So excited to talk to you uh, about this. I also understand that you, unlike me, were a supporter of the New York Jets to win outright and cover five and a half last week. Um, what, what, did, what did you get? Was it like plus 450, plus 600? Kudos plus, to you, bro. Plus 470, yeah. 
That's incredible. What what was it? Was it was it Brees Hall? Was that your hypothesis? Was exactly. That, that was yeah. the only thing. Nothing else. Um, Whenever you have an opportunity, you know, to bet on the you know the fourth highest grade running back in this rookie class, you absolutely you have, have to, do to it. take that. You have that to opportunity. do it. Um, okay, so let's talk this week, and and let's start actually with um, live in game betting. What how what is your process like? Are you just rocking up on Sunday morning and being like, you know, however I feel, I'm kind of rolling with it, or? Are you putting together kind of a game plan and then going into it, sort of looking for these opportunities? Yeah, first off, great, great to be here. Uh, thank you guys for, for having me on. Um, so I think it's a combination of those two things, right? The first is obviously you got to have a plan, right? Especially looking at a Sunday one o'clock slate, there are eight, nine games going on. It can be extremely overwhelming. Uh, you want to come in with a plan. And this I think can kind of lead into some of the benefits of betting live, uh, which are that uh, certain markets are not exactly pricing in, uh, you know, the games on the fly. Uh, we have the derivative market is a, a great example of this, which is uh, when a team, when a, when a bookmake, bookmaker set a uh, total line, right, for let's say minus six, the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter are likely all going to be minus one and a half. But we know that certain teams are better in the first quarter, certain teams are better in the fourth quarter, right? So we can basically apply that same logic to live betting which is the odds are not changing, right? It's going to, with game with a total of 40, the team scores seven points. They're just going to add that seven points to the first initial line. Mm -hmm. But we know, for instance, the Tennessee Titans are really great on scripted plays. We know uh, with good certainty that those 15 plays, or however it is, are more predictive than any other 15-game sample in the rest of the game. So we can essentially take that uh, and use that information live and say, okay, let's bet the live under, because the market is still pricing in that initial game line without taking into account that actually the you know Titans are going to play well in the first couple of drives. That should be built in, but the market doesn't really have the capability of team adjusting. Uh, that's kind of one angle. The second is you can, uh, you kind of do have to let it rip, uh, which is that like football information changes so fast week to week and even from game to game, right? A good example for this week, let's say, is Dak Prescott healthy or not? Can we rely on his, uh, you know, arm being 100%. We'll be able to pretty much tell within the first couple of drives if he has that same zip, if the thumb's still bothering him. Uh, and in that sense, you kind of have to uh, give it a, a feel. But I think uh, overall coming in with a, a plan, which are the teams that are going to, you know, come marching back? Are the Lions going to roar back like they always did in 2021? Are the Eagles going to continue to let teams back into the game? Mm -hmm. Right? Like certain teams have legitimate tendencies, which are specific to those teams that the market is not necessarily pressing in because it doesn't really have those capabilities. It's, it's really interesting. And, you know, it's hard to go in like, I don't know, me personally, I always feel like the one o'clock slate, I'm just like, I'm just trying to keep up, man. Like, I, I'm honestly yeah. like, just hoping I don't miss a touchdown and trying not to like, let Scott Hansen like drain all of my, you know, intelligence out of my ear. I love Scott Hansen, but the dude is a lot for a whole Sunday. Yeah. Um, and so it, you know, interestingly, most of the live bets that I place are in primetime games because you have that ability to sort of focus on the game and how it's played out. And going into it with a game plan, you know, it's something that I've tried out because of the, the content that you've created where it allows you to be less like, oh, I have to watch this game the whole way through to have confidence in, in placing a bet. And I can kind of say like, hey, if it gets to this spot, then I'm going to place a bet because of what I right. know already about the teams. 
Um, and, and I think that's super interesting. The Titans are a really, really good example. Um, and, you know, I think it was that live, was it the live under? Um, maybe the first time they played the Colts, actually, uh, yeah. a couple yep. of weeks ago. Uh, and that, you know, they got out, was it, you know, 14-7 or something like that and end up finishing uh, 24-17, right? Yeah, the line got up to like 52 and a half, 54 <laughs> there. Um, Ryan Tannehill, I took some, buddy. I took some all of the unders. Exactly, exactly. Um, which is like that, that should be priced in, but it's not. Are there books that are sharper um, from your, you know, viewing and betting in game? And I say this because in, you know, I, I deal a lot with uh, sports books from a business perspective and you know some of them are sharper than others right like some yeah. of them are really working on pricing and trading at a very high level and some are you know just worrying about getting lines in there and you know their focus is on some other things so are you seeing that in the way that those lines are being set and the ability to actually bet and get money down live yeah absolutely i'm using four sports books mainly okay. uh caesars bet mgm DraftKings, and fanduel so the thing with FanDuel is they always offer a number, whether I'm especially looking at alternate spreads, they're always offering at every half number, right? That's not true of BetMGM and mm -hmm. DraftKings, which are usually just going on the wrong side of a key number. Uh, in that sense, BetMGM generally has the most pickable lines. Uh, live, they're just slower to adjust. That's what I found in my experience. Mm -hmm. But FanDuel has the unique advantage of always offering every single number. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a lot more readily available to bet. And timing's everything when you're betting live. Right. Things are constantly changing, especially if you're doing it, uh, you know, during a one o'clock or four o'clock slate. Yeah, that's that's in line with kind of what I know. And, you know, for people out there that have not spent time studying the online sports betting market, um, you know, FanDuel has a 40 to 45 percent share of the market. What's really interesting, and I don't want to bore people with this, but if you look at the um, percentage of consistent bettors that have a online sports book downloaded, like that app downloaded. DraftKings and FanDuel are actually like neck and neck. And, and you can see why. I mean, DraftKings spends so much on customer acquisition. They're marketing through the roof. You could argue whether it's good or not, but like they, they are acquiring users. So is FanDuel, but they're not monetizing them nearly as much. And I think you just spoke to why, right? Like, what is one of the inputs to monetizing a better? It's like offering them options, you know, yeah. providing them opportunities. And that's not, it's not as simple as saying, Hey, like, let's just put that market out there. Because if you put out a crappy market, you know, make a bad number, you can get taken advantage of. And it requires you to have, you know, investment in that trading desk to, to be able to make that happen. So like, I think that jives with what we're seeing in the market, which is that FanDuel is cornering it. Um, but this is not CN CNBC. We're here to deliver value to the members of the printing press. So, um, you know, obviously you write this piece and everyone can go check it out, the live betting game plan uh, on the PFF app and pff.com. But give us one um, kind of angle that you're thinking about for this upcoming week. I mean, I think we said it before, but I'm going to go back to the well here with the uh -huh. Tennessee Titans in until the market adjusts. It's the contrast. They're number one uh, in a metric I've developed called drive quality, which essentially just measures uh, how well teams are moving the ball. They're number one on scripted plays and number 32 not, right? And so long as that is not being accounted for, I'm going to take advantage. Uh, so I'm going to look, again, it's still context dependent, which is why I'd rather almost bet this live than even our first quarter bet, which is I get the benefit of knowing whether or not the Titans are in the score, uh, right? And then once that happens and then the live line kind of adjusts and it goes up to, you know, 49, 50, I'm going to hammer the under, if not find an alt under. 
uh, depending on if the Colts can score, uh, depending on other, you know, game factors. The other great article that we touched on a little bit is obviously you identifying some alt uh, lines. You had the Jets last week laying five and a half points and covering that pretty comfortably. George, George's Jets. Um, My Jets, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> same question for you. You know, any, anything you've identified early this week that you like and, and some things you've seen so far? Yeah. Uh, so this one's a, a bit of a tougher week, I think, uh, just on the alt spreads. But I like the, the Jaguars, uh, especially kind of combining that with the over, which is instead of betting, uh, and I'll just give a little bit of background here. Uh, on one of the pieces I write, which is essentially taking one thesis and seeing what market or markets are actually the best way to apply this thesis. I'm going to say that the Jaguars are going to score a lot of points on the Giants, right? I think that their offense has performed exceedingly well. Uh, they're popping in advanced metrics and the Giants defense is really being propped up by playing the, the Titans, Bears, Packers, who I don't think have a good offense. Uh, you know, a bunch of poor, poor opponents, ex- with the exception of the Ravens, who are missing Rashad Bateman. All of which is to say, I think the Giants' defense is kind of being priced in as an average to above-average unit, and I think they're actually well below average. I think the Jaguars are going to score a lot of points. Instead of betting the you know team total, which I'm going to get a worse odds at, and introducing a lot of variance, because like scoring 30 points, 20 points, is a lot of points. Uh, I'd rather take the kind of alt spread and combine that with the game over, which essentially is saying the Giants are going to be able to keep up. Uh, so there's introducing a little bit of variance there, but not you know too much. They're still a uh, capable NFL offense. They're they're not the Chicago Bears. Sorry, Brad. Um, but uh, I think the Jaguars are going to score a lot, and I can get both of those things at you know plus three thirty instead of betting it at like plus one ninety or plus two hundred. Um, that's the spot I'm I'm looking for. Even some uh, you know game angles, just like Trevor Lawrence is good against blitz. Uh, the Giants blitz at the highest rate in the league. Uh, the Giants have really struggled in the run game. Uh, Travis at the end has seen a lot more work. Uh, it's really popping in, you know, Tage Sass rushing yards over expected model. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be able to move the ball on the ground, move the ball in the air, uh, you know, combine a, a whole bunch of things. And I'd, I'd recommend checking that out on the PFF app for the full uh, recap. I, I like that all yeah, spread and uh, total. And I'll be Giants it. fans. We're not all spoiled like you. Sorry. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Not, not, not everyone's handy I just, banners. I was going to say that, uh, George, it pains me just as much as it pains you. Growing up a Giants fan and you know, having all of my friends be Jets fans mm. uh, and having to, to back the Jets, it, I, I feel your pain. You know, I, I actually, I, I was happy to see the Jets uh, last week, not just because of the, the alt line that you gave out, but um, I play in a couple of, of different um, forms of pick'em leagues, and I was a big Jets supporter last week. Yeah. And I have Jets I, over five and a half with, a, I think it's my biggest position on pre on, on win totals. So there you um, go. As, as much as uh, I don't think that drafting a particular running back in the second round is the key to that over hitting, uh, I was excited to see him scamper for uh, for eighty yards on that on that touchdown run. Um, uh, what I was going to ask you is how you feel about this live angle. Uh, which is my Niners are playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. And in a wonderful um, m- moment of PTSD, the second that Jimmy Garoppolo is up by any significant margin in that game, I will be putting down a small Cabo uh, uh, oceanfront view on the Kansas City Chiefs to come back and win that game. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I should actually, I should make a new rule, which is that live betting First principle, if the Chiefs are ever down in a game, live bet them on the money line. Yeah, it's like the Warriors from a few years back, right? Like that was yeah. my introduction to live betting actually was, forget what year it was, but they were the best third quarter team, similar to that angle that you were kind of talking about with looking at how teams perform at certain points you know, in the game. 
they were so good in the third quarter. And you were like, I'm just going to bet them when they're down at halftime or down yeah. in the second quarter. And- yeah. The first ever bet I placed was the Chiefs down 24 nothing against the Texans. Wow. The rounds. Maybe, maybe I'm just coasting off that. Uh, That'll that get you going. Bet. You know, exactly. You know Let me tell you. So Sorry. the, the <laughs> first uh, big live bet I placed was the 28 to 3 Patriots game, uh, Super Bowl. I had so much on the Patriots pregame, and I am in a pit of misery at halftime. And I said, look, here's the deal. I'm either going to be really happy or really pissed. And so I, I just doubled down. I took Patriots money line. I took Patriots uh, some spreads, and uh, I was I was happy after that game. Yeah, it doesn't get better than that. One more for you uh, tomorrow night. I know there's a lot of injuries, a lot of question marks about this game, but you mentioned scripted plays and how good Tennessee is. I know Arizona is pretty much the opposite um, mm-hmm. and, and really struggles early in the game, um, then kind of has some hero ball from time to time from Kyler Murray. But nevertheless, you know, I think New Orleans actually is also kind of the opposite, um, more like Tennessee. Any Anything you're seeing in, in tomorrow, tomorrow night's matchup? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be watching DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I think on-off splits are generally pretty noisy, but they're pretty telling DeAndre Hopkins with Kyler Murray. Uh, like even just look to the first half of last year when the Cardinals really succeeded. And again, lots of different contextual factors and they're generally noisy, uh, but I'd like to see if they can especially get the deep passing game going. That's something that's really been lacking uh, for Arizona. But again, it's, it's kind of a, a lot of injuries. As you said, uh, the Cardinals generally came back last week, kind of gave me a little bit of pause seeing how horrific they were against the really bad Seattle defense. Um, I'm going to kind of wait and see. I want to see how the, the offense looks, but nothing uh, imminent. Love it. Judah, this was great. We're going to um, make you, we're going to have to make you a consistent part of the uh, the forecast. You've been a member of the printing press for a while. Judah Forking, what's your uh, Twitter handle so people can go follow you? At throw the damn ball, damn spelled D A M. Yeah. So go, I, he gets retweeted by a bunch of um, people that, that members of the printing press will be familiar with, including um, myself, but creates some fantastic content and is a must follow if you are betting on the NFL. So we appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, great to talk to you guys. This is a new segment. I don't know if I've ever been this excited for a new segment. We talk a lot about teasers on this podcast. Members of the printing press know. And um, maybe you didn't know that we have someone that is a teaser specialist at PFF. He also happens to be our head of social media, runs uh, the PFF Twitter account, among many other things that he oversees. So this guy is a legend in his own right. Zach Tantillo live from Alabama, who dominates in the teaser space. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it, George. It's been a long time coming uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, from taking time steps down, uh, coming on as an intern, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I felt like this is, you know, where I'm supposed to be today to tell the people about teasers and to win some people some money. You, you really have come a long way. I mean, you learned, you know, the good thing is that you learned from the best. Now, I understand, however, that you're going to be educating a little bit, uh, us a little bit about how to properly tease uh, a game. Now, here's the thing. Betting is new in in America. And so people may not know. Now, most of the members of the printing press are well-educated, but we have new listeners. I'm sure many are coming in because they follow you, right? And so they're here. Um, they want to make some money. As everyone can see from your background, clearly you're making money here. So Explain. Oh, yeah. First thing I'd like you to do is explain what a teaser is and then your methodology. How do you tease games? So, yeah. So, um, I actually, like, I, being from Alabama, don't really, um, 
did a ton of like betting exposure, sports betting exposure naturally. Um, so did come in late to the game and it was love at first sight with teasers. You know, you're playing around on uh, the app and the next thing you know, like, oh, I can move the lines. Uh, and essentially that's basically what a teaser is. You can move the lines a little bit for a little less odds. And, you know, it, it, it does take a little bit of, uh, like if you do it correctly, and win big like it is it is a quintessentially better a i want to say like it's not as possible as a parlay but i think like you know when done correctly all the time uh you can win some big money and uh my biggest thing when i am teasing games is it's right behind me it's when in doubt tease it Mm -hmm. um and so Mm -hmm. i just that's just my philosophy for anything like why not take those extra points and a lot of people ask me, like, Zach, that's just, you know, George, actually, you've gone on record not liking my strategy. Um, you know, so I'm like, oh, Zach, you're, you're teasing through zero. Like, you know, you're not teasing through the key numbers. Here's the thing, George. No one's ever won a bet by betting with their head. Mm. You win a bet by betting with your heart and betting mm. your gut. And so that is my number one philosophy when betting teasers. Follow your heart. That's amazing. Uh, I love that. Okay, um, so let me ask you this: Your just to just to be clear, you're ben, you're thinking about betting a game. Say you like the uh, you know the favorite plus three. You have a little bit of doubt, and you're just going to tease it. You're going to go right through zero. You're good with that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. If it's plus three, and it's like um, like for example, the Chargers and. Um, the Chargers and the Broncos last uh, last Monday night. Uh, I was like, "Listen, the Broncos are not winning this game. Mm-hmm. In this game." And so, yeah, I did tease it through. I had I had Chargers plus one and a half with, uh, I believe it was the Eagles minus one. Didn't really need, but you know, hey, um, I like the insurance policy. I like the feeling of, um, you know, like you said the Broncos did cover like the, the actual mm-hmm. spread. So if I wouldn't have teased the, the Chargers, I would have lost. So that's. Like I said, this is actually where all the money came from, is from that game, because I want to It's a sophisticated man's money line parlay, is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. I need to get Charles to whip up another graphic with that on the the bottom right here. Do you get paid out in those those bills, or do you have to go to a special bank to exchange them? Um, Yeah, no, actually, it's it's on the way to uh, be an actual currency. Okay. Okay. It's like a crypto. It's like uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's new, it's new Dogecoin. Zachcoin. Zachcoin. Um, okay, so uh, well, look, we're on here for a reason. We we're gonna we need to make some some uh, some Dogecoin this weekend. What teasers yeah. do you like this week? Okay, so I was looking at the board, and unfortunately for um, for my bookie, I absolutely love it. Okay, um, and so I. Uh, I have two two teachers of the decades for this week. Not teachers of the year. We're going all in for you hear Dak's return. Cowboys are minus seven. Mm-hmm. Is it down to minus one? Basically okay. just moving the win. Uh and then the Raiders with the bye week against the Texans. Minus one dollar. I think the Raiders are better than the third shots. They actually played a decent game. Um Against the Chiefs, they've had a bye week. Devontae Adams is supposed to play after, uh, you know, despite the incident him there. So Dallas minus one, Vegas Raiders minus one. Go all in. These are the I decade. Don't, 
I, I thought I was going to hate that more. Um, no, I, no. I really did. Uh, I was expecting, I was expecting us to like have a tease through zero and a total maybe involved. But, um, you know, oh, well, you know, that's, that's that I have more. I have okay. More. All right. All right. Um, more. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, and then for the second teaser of the decade, um, because you can't just have one, mm-hmm. I am breaking a cardinal rule. Um, sports betters. And I am taking the Falcons plus 12 going past going past you know uh it is uh they are plus they're plus six right now Uh, i think that you know you're getting past that seven getting past that ten two key numbers i've learned a little bit in doing teasers um the plus 12 you don't get to the plus 14 but um i think the kind of that's the spread you're giving them some more points i just i i think that the falcons i'm riding with them um you could take the Bengals um, but I, uh, but no, I just yeah, when in doubt, tease it, and okay. I am not betting on a Taylor team again because I have been burned. <laughs> Noted Zach um, hater, Zach Tantilla. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, don't trust don't trust a Zach unless it has an H on the end of it. I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, okay. And then- <laughs> Yeah, how do you feel about Zach's with a K? Is that also hey, that trust. Yeah, that okay, trust just H? Okay. okay. Yeah, just, just H. Other than don't trust him. Um, and the second part of that teaser is um is I I don't think the Bucks are going to I think the Bucks is gonna get a get right game against the Panthers. Minus five. Um just take them and trust Incredible. Tom Brady to get you there. We're doing double NFC South teaser right here. Plus okay. twelve, minus five. Falcons, let's get it done. Another teaser of the year. Um, That's and, decade. Uh, decade. Who's decade? Sorry, yeah. teaser decade. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot. I'm putting so much on it. Um, and uh, so I actually did. Um, so you can't get this number now because I got this earlier in the week. Um, mm. But the Jets, um, they were. I believe their opening line was minus three, minus three and a half. So I got. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. Plus plus three. Plus three, plus three and a half. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry. Um, I was able to um, get them at two and a half. So tease that up to plus eight and a half. And I just don't think that the Jets and Broncos are going to score a lot of points in that game. I mean, that is Zach Wilson versus that Broncos defense. It is not going to be. I mean, it's just, a, you know, Zach Wilson had arguably his worst game um, last week. And Broncos have uh i believe they are the number one coverage highest graded coverage unit for for us mm-hmm. at pff and um so that's just a bad matchup i think they're gonna have to really rely on their workhorse um we saw george your favorite player mm, yes uh, and uh i think they're gonna run the ball i think it's gonna be a sloppy game um so mm-hmm. i'm taking the under 44 season that up six months getting insurance runs right there and so that's it's eight and a half. Um, and the Jets and Broncos under 44. I got that locked in. It's something you can't get now. Um, maybe mm-hmm. the lines move a little bit, but kind of uh, they've, they've shot towards um, the Jets a little bit. So that was an early week sharp bet from, from me right there. Sharp, sharp. Is, sharp is the word that I would use to describe yeah. it. You mentioned Brees Hall, who having an incredible year thus far, uh, fourth highest graded rookie running back. Um, so far this year. So super impressive. Um, Brad, you have, uh, by the way, stay tuned. I will be reading 
uh, my DMs, we'll be talking about uh, Jets, hashtag Jets, where it's going to be a lot of fun. Don't worry. You think you think I'm just, you know, uh, sitting here just ignoring what's what's happening in the world? No, absolutely not. But I don't have time to deal with this in the middle of, you know, throughout the week. So we reserve it for a special time. Um, so we're going to do that later. Brad, I understand you have some. Te- so we have some teasers, Zach, that we would like you to give us a approval rating on. Okay. Think of this kind of like, uh, you know, we're submitting an a-, a loan application. You have that kind of feel to you right now. You, you sort of look like a loan shark. Um, and we want to see how you feel about them. Uh, Brad, so Brad, I'll let you start. Give, uh, give Zach a teaser. Yeah. So first teaser here for you. And you mentioned the Falcons are undefeated ATS, which means, you know, if you're undefeated ATS, you're undefeated on the teaser. That's what they say. So that's true. Uh, first, that's a fact. So first one I have for you here is Patriots minus seven and a half tease down to one and a half. And then the Indianapolis Colts up plus two and a half up to plus eight and a half against the Tennessee Titans. What do you think? Ooh, I see the Colts Titans is enticing. So you have the Colts going up to plus eight and a half. You know, you are going through those key numbers, as George has taught me in the past, um, that three and that seven. Um, I I, mean, I like it. I mean, I think that, well, I don't know. But my only reservation with that is that Jonathan Taylor, like what his, is his status? Uh, because I don't know. Watching Matt Ryan throw 50 times again, uh, like a game scares me. Um, so, but... Plus eight and a half for the Colts. And what was that? What was the other one? The Patriots. We had the Patriots on Monday night. They're playing the Chicago Bears. They're minus seven and a half. So brought that down to minus one and a half. Okay. So if you had to give this a, you know, a letter grade mm-hmm. off of that with, you know, not knowing if Jonathan Taylor's playing, but you are getting through those key numbers. And then obviously you're betting against the Bears, which is, you know, you know, that's pretty, it's pretty sharp money, as I like to say. Um, and so I give that one a B minus either a grade if I had to, you know, because I don't know I need stone to, but like, but like B minus like on the screen for, uh, for the YouTube, but yeah, B minus on that one. I would take it. I will ride with you, Brad. Appreciate it. I have, uh, just a, a heinous, a heinous teaser. I want to kind of test you here. Okay, this okay, is, here I would never members of the pre- printing press. No, I would never tease this. The lions from plus seven out to plus 13 and the Washington commanders led by Taylor Heineke. Okay. uh, Carson Wentz has been absolutely awful, but we remember the spunkiness of Taylor Heineke at home against the green Bay Packers from plus five out to plus 11 lions plus 13 in Dallas commanders plus 11 at home against the Packers. I mean, George, I I know you said you don't like it, but here's the thing. Like (laughs) why aren't you coming off a bye week? They are. They're getting DeAndre Swift back. Mm-hmm. Um, that Dallas defense is, uh, you know, it's 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 pretty tough. It's you know one of the best in the in, in NFL. And then getting on the spunkiness, Taylor Heineke is always fun. Like I I, I kind of don't I kind of don't hate it. Um, okay. You know I, I can I get am I creeping up the the grading scale here? And I I you know I'm like talking through talking through myself with the grade. The only thing, George, is that. The Detroit Lions, uh, that's kind of going against my teaser of the decade a little bit. Oh, no. So that, so both might, can, that is, both can that, hit. 
It's both a fourteen point difference. Yeah, you can middle. You that can is, middle. That's you know that is a thing. So you is know, is that not a part of your like teaser manifesto? Like when in doubt, also middle a teaser. When in doubt, middle out. Is that what they said? <laughs> are we are we are we hedging teasers now? Like I mean, I I don't know. This, I so this is it, this is like listening to new discover calculus out. right now. Is is what this is? I mean, this is revolutionary. Yeah, and so I'm like, as I am. Not betting with my head on this one. I'm betting with my heart. Your heart. Betting with my gut, and so that means I'm grading this with my heart and my gut. And I am thinking, George, I um, I got to give you a C plus. I got to give you a C plus on this on this on this tease. Come on, is it honest, man? Is that integrity? I'm sorry, George. This is just this. I mean, I am a man of integrity. I have to. If I'm out here just giving B's and A's on every Mm -hmm. teasing. And like, I just, you know, like, then everybody's just going to be like, hey, Zach, like, you're not really a teaser expert. Right, and, right. you know, so it is, yeah, I do have to give you that C plus. Okay, and, okay. Um, I'll work to be better, but, Zach. That's all I can do, you know, is here's, continue here's, to improve. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. When in doubt, tease it. So, like, I mean, C plus. I'm doing better matter. than parlaying it. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you, that's that's the thing is that it, George, if you, it doesn't matter when I grade it because mm-hmm. when you know, ultimately, like if you like these things, that is that is my that is my philosophy. If you like this bet, just tease it. Why not? So that is um that is my kind of uh, yeah, is my grade on. What we need is uh, we need Zach Tantillo teaser merch. That's what uh, I expect you to come back uh, to this podcast yeah. with. Zach, this was a pleasure. Wonderful debut by you. Um, again, you do such fantastic work uh, for PFF. Anyone listening has experienced what you have to offer them. So uh, thank you so much for hanging out. And we'll uh, yeah. we'll follow those teasers. And we'll see you next week. I appreciate it, man. And uh, um, before I go, I'd be remiss if I did not drop one last betting tip for okay. the fans, for the people, because I am a man of the people. Um, was DeAndre Hopkins on his return, anytime touchdown might be the lock of the millennium okay um and uh, i'm a big I'm a big for that so um, you know for storybook type of games and there's nothing more storybook than you know, back God, right now. if only we could tease that well there yeah, it is like, zach we appreciate you yeah. we appreciate yeah, you. yeah brad brad george i appreciate it thanks guys all right it is time it is redemption time uh we had a lock of the week we should have known better because we felt so good about Mahomes and Brady winning football games or keeping it close. It's like that's, you know, you had, you had Brady against the Steelers. Um, we teased that down to two and a half minus two and a half. So they just had to win by three or more. And for Mahomes, we teased them out to plus eight and a half. Mahomes got the, the job done. Tej, Tom Brady did not. Um, that, I, I don't know what your take was from that game, but um, mine was we got pretty unlucky. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, you know, the, the Bucks offense was a mess in the first half. You know, they rushed Leonard Fournette 21 times for 63 yards, three yards a carry. You just can't do that. Uh, you know, the Steelers' defense was very exploitable in the secondary. They're missing their top three defensive backs. So, you know, I would have liked some more passing, but the frustration think- was really on the on the defense at the end of the game there when Mitchell Trubisky, you know, Brad's former quarterback, converted three straight third and longs against the Bucks defense that had been playing lights out most of the season and couldn't get us the ball back to for, you know, the Bucks to score a touchdown that could have won us our teaser leg. So that was, that was pretty frustrating to watch. 
It it was a teaser in every sense of the word because it was you kept thinking the Bucks could figure it out if they could just score in one red zone possession, right? A touchdown on one red zone possession and they win that game. Um, that you know we had Zach Tantillo on to, to educate us about how to how to bet teasers. It was kind of the, a good teaser, like in the sense that it, they weren't going to cover. They were never in. They never had a chance to cover that game, um, but they had a chance to cover the teaser. Just couldn't get it done. All right, we are on though to week seven. Uh, let's start with you, Brad. Uh, your first submission for a redemption lock of the week. Yeah, so it was a bet that we all liked uh, on Sunday. There is some negative news in Casey Hayward, the corner being out, but I still think six points is probably too much for Atlanta to be catching against the Cincinnati Bengals. Head coach Arthur Smith is obviously one of the best run game schemers in the NFL, and I think DJ Reader's absence for Cincinnati, particularly in the run game, has been very notable so far. I, you know, the 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 Falcons six and zero against the spread. Uh, so far, they're three and three in real life. This feels this feels like a trap in some way, shape, or form because uh, the Falcons and, and our history with the Falcons. Um, but I guess from my perspective, one of the reasons that that I do really like this is I think what we're seeing in the league is just overall. You know, pa- you actually wrote about this, Tej, that that passing is just nowhere near as good as it's been in the past. Mm-hmm. And so this difference between Burrow and Mariota, even though dramatic on a long uh, time horizon. In this game, you know, in this ecosystem that we live in, it doesn't feel as as big. So um, I can get on board with that. Tej, uh, your feelings on that, and then your first lock uh, submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I I like that one a lot, Brad. You know, the Falcons are running the most unique offense in the NFL right now. You know, they're they twenty one and twelve personnel. They're using fifty percent of the time. They barely use eleven personnel, like the most common you know personnel in the league. So lots of two tight ends, lots of two running backs. It's really hard for defenses to prepare for and you know like a a defense like the Bengals that's so used to just like playing against like so many 11 personnel teams given Zach Taylor's background I think it'll be kind of tough for them to stop it so I like I like that bet Um, I'm gonna go with uh, the um, the New England Patriots minus seven and a half on Monday night against the Chicago Bears so I was looking at green line today Uh, PFF green line thinks this should be an eight and a half point spread so, you know, we, we, we all trust that model and you're getting some, some value there. And, you know, like the, just like the, the difference in like what these two teams have to offer right now, like the Patriots defense ranks six, sixth in expected points added against. Um, and like Belichick's specialty, you know, throughout his whole career has been taking apart quarterbacks who are indecisive decision makers that tend to hold on to the ball in the pocket a long time. And that's what Justin Fields has been this year. Um, you know, Fields ranks 26th in EPA per play and has a 57.1 PFF grade. Bailey Zappi, coming out of nowhere, has a 72 PFF grade right now. So, you know, I think there's a big matchup there. You know, as our, as our friend Dave Safaro would say, the Patriots defense is just a bunch of bros. Like Jack Jones, number one graded corner. Jonathan mm-hmm. Jones, PFF's number eight graded corner. Um, Dietrich Wise has an 82 PFF grade. And Matthew Judon has a 75 PFF grade. So you have this super versatile defense that I can think that I think can really take apart, uh, you know, the Bears offense and especially that passing game. And then Bailey Zappi will do just enough on the Patriots side of things to cover the the spread for the Patriots in this game. We talked about this on Sunday night, Brad, with Arjun and what Bill Belichick does to quarterbacks that are rookies slash that aren't particularly great or nimble. Um 
Tasia's guy, Jared Goff, got shut out 29-0. Jacoby Brissett did not look particularly great, lost 38-15. to And there are two other things that I love about this. The first is if they win this game, no matter how Bailey Zappi plays, um, they dominate this game. There's going to be a lot of questions. Um, and I want that, that we deserve that narrative. And then the second thing is Brad and, and Tej, I'm sure you guys saw this. Members of the printing press probably have seen this already. Hot off the press, Bill Belichick spent like 1300 words in eight minutes <laughs> expounding in his pref- press conference about how great the, the Bears are. Coach Matt Eberflus, um, J- J- uh, Justin Fields and his dynamism. The two running backs are hard to tackle. Um, Darnell Mooney is a special player. He can do it from all over the field. Absolutely incredible. Um, so uh, love that one. Um, let me go to, um, I-, I think my favorite one from uh, Sunday night uh, still remains a bet that I like a lot. Despite a little bit of news that makes me hesitate ever so slightly. I love the signing of Deshaun Jackson for the Ravens. If there's a player, remember Joe Johnson, um, NBA player, and you know, the, the NBA just started, I forgot that it actually existed, but just started. He could like show up and like for one game, put up, put up like 25 points, didn't matter, come in cold. Deshaun Jackson is that guy. Like he can just rock up and catch two 50 yard bombs. And that concerns me. The Ravens just signed him. The, the Browns defense is not good, but at six and a half, um, Browns uh, visiting Baltimore, a divisional matchup. Again, I just think six and a half, that kind of speaks to one team being dramatically better than the other. Um, And man, it's tough because the big reason that you would say, well, there's a big difference between these two teams is the the quarterbacks. But in today's NFL, the way that things are compressed, we add in our power ratings, the Cleveland Browns at 18th, Baltimore Ravens at 10th. I see that as more of a four- Three and a half, four point spread. So I like the six and a half uh, there for the Cleveland Browns. Um, Brad, your next bet. I have to real quick. Uh, the best part of Belichick was probably that he said Velas Jones is a difference maker on special teams, and yeah, he is a difference mm. maker. He can lose you football games, uh, which <laughs> which is which is a big difference. So I just it was there was so many funny parts of that quote, but that was the best part. So um, I will jump to. Let's see what we got here. Um, those were that was probably my favorite bet right there that you just mentioned. Obviously, we were all consensus on Chicago versus New England. Um, thing is, the Jets have moved so far. We we had three and a half at open. It's now all the way at one. So a lot of CLV there. I'm seeing Honestly, a half. I, I'm, what? Go ahead. I'm even seeing a half. It's going to be a pick 'em soon enough. There you go. It's something Russell Wilson might not play there. Uh, I will. I'm going to pass right now. Come back to me, and I'm going to okay. jump into. I'm already. I'm done with spreads. I'm going to look at some props that I have, uh, and we'll get back to me. All right. All right. Tej, please help a brother out here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Chargers Seahawks under 51. Um, oh, wow. After watching the, the Chargers game on Monday night, I just can't get behind this offense. I love Justin Herbert. I love you know what he provides. They have the 23rd highest rate of plays that go over 15 yards, which is like what we usually define as explosive plays. That's worse than the Panthers and the Saints, whose offenses have been awful this year. Um, but when you when you watch the Chargers' offense, it's a lot of routes that don't maximize yards after the catch. It's a lot of routes where they're five-yard comeback routes or they're curls and the receiver stops, and it's very timing-based. And like that's the opposite of what's successful in the league right now. When, you know, Josh Allen is throwing, you know, bombs to Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs, they can run after the catch or the Kyle Shanahan offense where they get yards after the catch. So I don't I don't really like the 
the Chargers offense right now. You know, when they go up against Seattle's defense, who's been really bad this season, they did show some life last week holding the Cardinals to nine points. And while Cliff Kingsbury is like his own separate level of bad, Joe Lombardi's not a good offensive coordinator either. So like there, there is a spot for Seattle's offense to, uh, sorry, Seattle's defense to slow down the Chargers offense. And on the other side of things, you know, the, you know, one of the things that I think PFF's models do a good job of is holding on to preseason priors. And so Geno Smith is still power rated as the 18th best quarterback in PFF's model right now because, you know, he came in pretty low into the season. He's been playing really, really well. But, you know, eventually there is going to be some regression to the mean and to kind of what we've seen from him during his career. So, you know, it kind of started last week. They only scored 12 points on offense. So maybe that continues in this game. So I like, you know, Chargers, Seahawks under 51. My next bet is actually in that same game. And, um, uh, but is the spread on this game. Again, I'm with you in the Chargers offense does not look great. Um, the same thing, interestingly, that we talked about heading into the season, which was Joe Lombardi taking uh, Justin Herbert with one of the three best arms in the entire world and then having him dink and dunk his way down the football field. It, one of the problems, of course, for the Chargers is they're pretty banged up. Um, you know, Keenan Allen expected to be back in this game. I don't know how much you trust Keenan Allen coming off of a hamstring injury, but I'm going to go ahead and say that even if he remains healthy for this game, he hasn't been doing a whole lot of conditioning. So I don't think he's going to play the full complement of games. And I think about a matchup on the other side of things. This is probably the most surprising thing um, you know, that we've seen thus far. J.C. Jackson, there's only one corner in the entire league who is graded worse than J.C. Jackson. You think about what they brought in, what made you ex- excited about the Chargers preseason. It was all the additions, what their defense had. But you then take away J.C. Jackson. You take away Joey Bosa, who's on IR. And then you look around the field, and yeah, Derwin James is still a top 10 graded guy. Khalil Mack, 87 PFF grade. But no one else sticks out. And DK Metcalf, I think quietly perhaps still is dominating. Uh, Geno Smith, the second highest graded corner uh, quarterback in the NFL thus far. Again, this is a game where these teams, what separates them is not that much. Obviously, the quarterbacks long term are dramatic. But right now in this moment, I don't feel uh, that it is uh, nearly as much. So I like taking what you've just said, Tej, on the under. Those six points now worth a lot more in a potentially lower scoring game than it would be in a shootout um, and taking the Seahawks plus the points. Brad, have you had an opportunity to, to find us some, some winners here? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So uh, a prop that I love for tomorrow uh, is Taysom Hill under 32 and a half rushing yards. I mm. think it's a massive overreaction to him kind of, you know, winning him a football game a couple of weeks ago and breaking off some big chunk yardage plays. But, um, you know, Alvin Kamara is now back to pretty much fully healthy. Uh, I just I don't see him continuing to produce at this level on the ground. Uh, I like that play a lot for tomorrow night. Yeah, it's uh, that game is actually really interesting. I um I have a bet that I'll, I'll wait on. I don't want to mess up the order. Tage, you're up next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really like that one, Brad. Um, I, I I also have an under rushing yards prop uh, to give out. And like, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, our friend Ben Brown uh, put out a couple weeks ago was if you bet unders on rushing props and receiving props, you know, you're going to be up this season. And so when I do my rushing props uh, article every week, I give out two unders and one over. 
and the two unders have been hitting at like a 85% rate and the overs have been hitting at like a 50% rate. So I really like rushing unders this year and I'll go with Brian Robinson under 56 and a half rushing yards. Um, you know, using PFS rushing yards over expected model, he has a negative 1.34 rushing yards over expected right now, which is 52nd out of the 54 qualifying rushers. Uh, you know, I think that this is a game where you're not going to get as positive of a game script as the commanders got last week going up against the Bears where they were kind of in that game the whole time and he barely got over getting to 60 yards. And so this is going to be more of a negative game script. He's not going to get the 17 carries that he got last week. So that's why I think he's going to go under the 56 and a half uh, rushing yards in this in this game against the Packers. I have a prop for you folks as well. This this might be my fi- I have two props that I love that I've been holding on to here. I don't know which one I like more. Okay, but I like this one a lot. Thursday night return of DeAndre Hopkins. No Marquise Hollywood Brown. Marquise Hollywood Brown was getting the ball fed fed to him. I mean absolutely just delivered at every moment. He's out. DeAndre Hopkins is back. I don't have the exact splits on Kyler Murray with and without DeAndre Hopkins because those split stats, there's a lot of confounding variables in there. But let me just tell you this. Kyler Murray is a better quarterback. They are a better offense with DeAndre Hopkins. It's not as if he has been injured. Let's remember that. He is in great shape. Okay, He is fresh. Over five and a half receptions, plus 119. And then here's the, here's the kicker there. Marshawn Lattimore may or may not play. He's out. You then, he's out, George. He's out officially now. This is yep. why this is why we have you on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> right fresh off the press uh, to our members of the printing press here. Um, he's out. Okay. So then you think about who he's going to be matched up with and um and how they've played this season. We know that corners are a um, you know, cornerback and coverage in particular, a weak link system, right? So you take out their best player. Now it's even weaker across the board. The thing is, they don't move DeAndre Hopkins. He always stays out there on the left. So here's the thing. He's going to go up against Bradley Roby or Paulson Debo, both of whom have a 50 uh, PFF grade or worse. Uh, so I, I like that uh, advantage for him quite a bit. And, you know, you think about what Cliff Kingsbury is up against right now. There is talk of him abdicating play calling, uh, you know, uh, for the team. Let's just be clear. If he ain't calling plays, okay, what is he bringing to your team? Because it ain't fourth down decision-making, okay? Unless he's organizing a party bus for the team to go out to a club afterwards uh, and hang out with um, with eligible bachelorettes. I don't know what he is qualified to do for this team other than call plays. So the the gauntlet has been laid down. DeAndre Hopkins is going to get like 25 targets in this game. I, I cannot agree more. I also think for two reasons. A, you mentioned, I think folks might think, oh, he's rusty. God, he's been healthy. He just hasn't yeah. been playing. And then yeah. B, Robbie Anderson might play. I would imagine it's very, very few snaps, if any. And he'll just be a decoy and he'll just run a go route and not even be a real consideration. How like you said how last week. is Kyler thrown Robbie Anderson's direction in an NFL game? Zero. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I could not agree more on that one. I think they're going to target him literally 20 times in that game. There we go. Uh, Brad, your next bet. So I'm, I'm fresh out. I'm, I'm, I'm ready okay. to uh, make, make our decision. Ready to make we, a decision. Uh, I have, I have good. one more that I am okay. excited about. Tej, what about you? Yeah, no, I, those are all the ones I want to talk about. I'm, I'm excited to hear yours though. <sighs> Here's the thing. 
I am not someone who in the face of a little bit of adversity likes to give up. Okay. I have faith in the people that have gotten us here. Faith in you too. Tom Brady didn't get it done for us last week. Okay. He did not get it done for us last week. It was, and he knew it. He knew how much we needed. You watched him on the sideline. If anyone's seen, you know, him yelling at his offensive lineman, I actually got, um, I read his lips. I had, I went and did some, uh, had some work done. He was yelling, do you know how bad the printing press needs this? Okay. <laughs> that was what he was yelling. He knows how badly we need this. Over one and a half passing touchdowns for Thomas Edward Brady is plus 161 against the Carolina freaking Panthers. He is going to light the Carolina Panthers up like a Christmas tree. Um, now, am I concerned about the one good thing that the Carolina Panthers have going for them is their defense? Yes, I am a little concerned about that. However, I like the increasing health of the Tampa Bay Bucks, getting more kind of reps with that, um, you know, with that offense. And here's the thing that I'm not worried about a blowout stopping Tom Brady because I think we're at the point where if Todd Bowles is calling out Byron Leftwich, this is going to be a, hey, Tom, what do you want to run here kind of situation? And if that's the case, I think we're going to be throwing a, a lot of passes in this game. Um, the offensive line, the strength of the Tampa Bay Bucks is a strength of the Tampa Bay Bucks overall did not play well. They're going to have, you know, they're going to get lit into um, this week by Tom Brady. Um, and then you think about the defense for uh, the Carolina Panthers. So, uh, Brad, is J.C. Horn out? He probably will play, but did not play last week, obviously, and yeah. I don't think it's 100%. Okay, so that leaves you with C.J. Henderson, 87th highest graded corner, um, with uh, Jackson, whose uh, name I'm blanking on now, Dante. Dante. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say Dean. I don't know why. Dean had a, a pick six or something for the, for the Bills. Dante Jackson, uh, third-year guy, I believe, out of LSU, 78th. Now, by the way, Dante Jackson, in case anyone's wondering, is five foot ten in heels. Okay, fast guy, but a small guy. Uh, you think about Mike Evans um, and what he can do. C.J. Henderson is not a particularly tall guy either. So when they get into the red zone, um, you know Mike Evans is going to be a target there, uh, and I like that um, for for Tom Brady and the Bucks. So looking for a bit of redemption for a couple of guys. I'll be honest with you, fellas. There, I I didn't know I liked the the board this much. But I love the board. There are like three, four bets that I love. So help me out. Where do you think we should go? What do you think, Tej? Um, <laughs> well, I was the one who suggested the lock of the week last week. So I don't know if I should be the one uh, okay, so what, up here. So what do you think we should do? And then we can pivot. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like the um, the Browns, you know, plus six, six and a half, uh, whatever, whatever it's listed as. Just because like the Browns are, you know, a lot better than the record is and the Ravens are, you know, a team that has kind of shot themselves in the foot, especially in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, pretty frequently this season. What are you thinking, Brad? I do like that with that one as well. And I, I hear you on Deshaun Jackson, but how quickly can a 35 year old guy get up to speed? Hey. Uh, I'm not particularly sure. It's a, it's a ton of points, especially if it is Bailey Zappi, but um, and maybe we can discuss a teaser with the Patriots. But mm. I, I think somehow somehow betting on these Patriots, I'm, I'm very much in favor of, you know, we, we could follow. Zach Tantillo's lead and do a teaser that just is not Wong approved. <laughs> tease, tease the Browns out to uh, to 12 and a half. Here's my, here's what I would propose for you guys. Okay. We, we let the people down last week. We need a little redemption. 
We have football on Thursday. We have football on Sunday. We have football on Monday. I'm proposing a three a three pronged block of the week. A lock on Thursday, a lock on Sunday, and a lock on Monday. So, um, what if we do this? What What is your favorite on Thursday? Um, we have We have Taysom. We have DeAndre Hopkins. I like D Hop. I think over five and a half receptions for D Hop okay. is is money. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's lock of the week Thursday night edition is DeAndre Hopkins over five and a half receptions. I think it's like plus one twenty. Sunday, we have the Cleveland Browns plus six and a half against the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Monday, we have the New England Patriots against the Chicago Bears minus eight. Do we want to tease them with the Browns too? In honor of Zach, this is not an official lock of the week, guys, but we want to support. Our friend, our brother in, in Vishnu, as Tej would call him, Zach <laughs> Tantillo. Tantillo teaser hey, zero, Mr. Tantillo. Yeah, we're, we're putting a unit on the Zach Tantillo teaser uh, this week. It is Patriots down to minus two. That's like a legit, you know, wonk teaser leg. And the Cleveland Browns out to plus 12 and a half. Those points don't really matter other than seven, but why not? Yeah. Why and George, not? by the way, the, the Patriots um, Bears game Monday night, that's on Diwali. You know, our festival of lights are our biggest holiday of the year. So it's wow. it's a true it's a true my brother and Vishnu game. It's a true there my brother is. and Vishnu bet. Yeah. I'm so glad. Uh, I'm so glad that I know that now. Tej, uh, <laughs> everyone should go, by the way, read all of Tej's great work. You can find it on the PFF app and PFF.com. Wrote a phenomenal piece. Um, I haven't actually had a chance to dig all the way into it, but it is on my list of saved articles about the passing game in this year of our Lord or Vishnu or whatever, uh, 2022. Um, and it is really insightful. Everyone should go check that out. It dives into um, kind of some of the reasons behind uh, why offense is not where it has been uh, in quite some time. So go check that out. Follow him on uh, Twitter as well. Tej, go practice well. I understand that you have very important um Uh, game that you were preparing for so uh, (laughs) go practice we will catch you next week brother thank you yeah thanks for having me on Uh, a brief reminder before we get to our next segment that uh, no house advantage that's exactly what they do they get rid of the house advantage which of course you don't want to have to deal with um, and allows you to have a lot more fun playing traditional well, not traditional pick'em contests. Uh, your shot at winning 250k in cash. Here's how it works: Download the No House Advantage app, choose a contest, select a bunch of player props, and earn points for correct picks. And climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your ability versus the house to 20x your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over unders or individual matchups across every sports league. And by the way, the NBA is back. You didn't know about this, but they're back, and you can play. And no house advantage. The Major League Baseball Association still apparently playing baseball games. So you can bet on them as well. MMA, NASCAR, PGA, and the whole list is there at no house advantage. Use promo code forecast at uh, nohostadvantage.com or the app to get your first deposit matched up to $25. Also, DraftKings, our friends at DraftKings have a wonderful opportunity for you. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL, which is good to know. Uh, and they want to help you win big with touchdowns, big plays, and anytime your team wins. So here's how it works. Bet $5 on any team to win, any NFL team to win, get $200 in free bets. They also are offering boosts on stepped-up same-game parlays, which are a ton of fun, and now you can get even better odds on them. Um, so go to DraftKings uh, Sportsbook, download the app now, use promo code PFF, bet $5 on any team to win and then get $200 
in free bets at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for more details. Also, our friends at Symbol, they're like a stock market for sports. You go buy shares of your favorite teams and you can watch them go up and down. You collect a dividend when they win games and you can trade them and sell high, buy low. Um, you know, I don't know. There's potentially, some might say we're in a recession, on the way to recession. I don't know if that applies to the uh, the sports stock market, but you can go give it a try. Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Download at the App Store. Use promo code forecast and receive a free team stock valued at up to $150 when you sign up. That's a decent amount of money. I'd take advantage of that free cash. Use promo code forecast at symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. By the way, I... I mentioned this a lot. I'll just mention it again, but you can get 25% off a PFF plus subscription with the promo code forecast. Go download the app right now. It is continuing to get better. There's a new player props view. It shows you all the player props. So it's so much easier than having to go onto pff.com. New things being added at a very fast rate, plus all of the great content that you're so used to seeing on PFF. Go get the PFF app now. Get 25% off a PFF plus subscription with promo code forecast. All right, Brad. We've reached uh, we've reached the end of an incredible podcast because we went through um, no internet. I had no internet. I had no power. Uh, lost it again. We've been recording for like multiple hours. You ate dinner during this. I did a uh, a radio hit, um, and it it feels like we have to end this on the right note. That's some good guess. I think the right note is for me to read some some Jets fans DMs. What do you think? Got to get the people what they want. You know, City Hall, uh, you know, Hall of Notes, Brees Hall. Don't care what hall it is. Okay, we're going to have some fun with this. So for anyone that doesn't know, here's the deal. Uh, after the draft happened, I made a point that trading up to draft a running back, which is what the Jets did, is not a smart move. Um, and, you know, obviously Jets fans are very frustrated with this take uh, because they're winning games. Um, kind of despite Zach Wilson's play, interestingly, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but Brees Hall is rushing for some big yardage. And uh, so they're hanging the banners. They're letting me know about it. And they've sent me some really good content. I'll just say this, Jets fans, I love you. This is this is fantastic. I don't often get the opportunity to log into Twitter and just laugh. You know, oftentimes you log into Twitter and you're like, oh my God, this person again. But you guys are great with content. You know, Steelers fans, there's a little bit of repet repetition with what I'm hearing from Steelers fans. Steelers fans use the word clown a lot. Jets fans, you do that too. I would mix it up. I want to hear some more uh, creativity. Um, but you've done a wonderful job of getting everybody mobilized. I like that. Um, some good Photoshopping as well, which I really, really like. So it's been great content thus far, and I want to share it uh, with the world. Before I do, though, I want to point out a couple of things. I'm not going to sit on here and go, oh, yeah, I was completely wrong because I'm not. Here's what I will point out. It's not about whether Brees Hall is good or bad. I think Brees Hall is an awesome player. I love running backs. Running backs are like my favorite position because they're so freaking athletic. But let's go take a look at the highest graded rookie running backs. And you will notice a couple of names, Damian Pierce, who was drafted in the fourth round, Kenneth Walker, who you know was drafted after Brees Hall as well. The point is with running backs, it's about the system that is there. And what's interesting about the Jets is they have the offensive system that has come from San Francisco. You know who's rushing the ball really well for San Francisco, Brad? 
Jeffrey Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, Nema UDFA here. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff freaking Wilson is out there. And if you look at some of the data, and this is not meant to be bashing anybody, let me be really clear. The point is that offense and scheme can make a, a athletic running back, of which there are many, look really good. The other thing that I want to point out, and this is hard to talk about because it's kind of like, you know, it sucks because you want these players to do well and make money. But you don't know about Zach Wilson yet. Like, I would ask Jess fans, how confident are you Zach Wilson's really good? Because if you watch these games that they're winning and you're like, yeah, I'm really confident he's good, maybe watch the games again. Like, you know, you don't know. Let me think about a team that is in the news right now that had a really good running back. I would say the best running back in the last five years, Christian McCaffrey. And where are they at right now? Right? They paid a running back a lot of money without a quarterback. And they're trying to dump him for pennies on the dollar and they have no future. You know, it's, it's really bleak there. So not trying to be morbid there, but that's kind of the whole take on this. And, um, you know, I, I even said, you know, hey, they'd be better off drafting Malik Willis. And everyone goes, well, Malik Willis hasn't played, yada, yada, yada. And the reason I said that is if you don't know about Zach Wilson, you don't have a quarterback, nothing else matters. And so I'm taking shots there. And you know what the last time a team was really mad about selecting a quarterback uh, in the second round, it was the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. So, you know, not to not to go do revisionist history, but like, let's pump the brakes here for a second. So anyways, that's my point. Overall, really excited about the Jets. I have their over. Love what Robert Salah is doing on defense. Like Sauce Gardner, phenomenal pick. Garrett Wilson looks like an absolute stud. So keep the Brees Hall stuff coming. I love it. Here are my DMs unfiltered. Okay, so I have about 400 uh, DMs right now. Um, they, they're really good. I'm not, I'm not going to read them all, but we start off with a banger. You, the, the letter U, C word. Sure. Sure. Good start. We're off to a good to start. hurry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this one's nice. Hi, George, comma, we, comma, Jets, Twitter, comma, demand a public Brees Hall apology. Please issue in the near future to maintain integrity. Thank you. Sincerely, Larry Esquire. Very cordial. Yeah, yeah, love that. Squarehead. Uh, this one's a good one. Your, Y-O-U-R, A, idiot. That's good. It's creative. Um, someone just just said Brees with like 70 E's. Um, hey, man, you're a clown. F, you, and your family. Uh, okay. That's a nice Bring one. the family in. Okay. Um, this is a nice one. Someone said, enjoy your stuff, George. Keep it up. Appreciate you. Um, you effing clown. It's another good one. Um, complete dumb ass bro. I think I can say that. 70, uh, I'm guessing here, 70 clown emojis. It's another good one like that. Um, there's actually some people here with like legitimate questions. So appreciate you Jets fans. Um, effing bum, like that one as well. Um, uh, another one that just says bum. Uh, someone asking if I can get me on a podcast. Uh, I have many that are just Malik Willis in all caps. It's also good. Um, fix the Quinn and William PFF grade. Uh, SHIT is super low. I don't know if you guys even care anymore. It actually happened, um, by the way, real quick. Yes. It was, it, was, it, was, it was upgraded. We reviewed the tape and it was upgraded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. Um, and uh, Sam Monson talks about that well on the podcast. So you should go take it. Hey, comma, or hey, period. Your takes suck. Um. Brees Hall, what a big, what a bad pick. Um, you are trash. 
Um, Brees Hall owns you, P-word. Did Brees Hall sleep with your mom? I don't know. Uh, that would be for more than I. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Let's get some. Let's go out here on a bang. Um, holy, holy shit! You are truly stupid, AF. Uh, how do you have a job? That's another good one. Um, man, uh, this is so. Yo, good take, my boy. Crying emojis. Shut down the pod. We will not shut down the pod. Ever. Not not being shut down. Uh, Brees Hall in your eye socket. Anyways, great, great DMs. Um, what I would say is keep them coming. Keep keep getting creative. Uh, we have a we have a Jets pick this week, Brad. We have Jets plus three. Yes. That's that's already down to basically a pick them at this point. So we're Jets fans once again uh, this week. Real quick, Brad, you're you know someone that lives in New York. Um, you've been a Bears fan your entire life, so you know something about like futility uh, and your team, like. What is the appropriate take on the Jets and maybe to a lesser degree the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I would say too. I'm, I'm I was introduced to football by a Jets fan. Uh, I have Jets fan family members. I live in Queens, which is you know a little bit not not quite Long Island, but basically Long Island. Um, I, I've always been bullish on Joe Douglas. I think he has done a lot of things the correct mm-hmm. way. Trading out for running back does not fall on that list, but they have, I think, built a legitimate nucleus of good players. I think they are trending in the right direction. New York. Needs to figure out quarterback. I guess both New York teams need to figure out quarterback. But the Giants, again, we're seeing some good play. They, they addressed the trenches in the draft. It's always been an issue for them. I think both teams, it's okay to be bullish on. What I would say is you mentioned futility. Guys, why would we question an organization that hasn't done anything good in 15 <laughs> years? Is it so hard to fathom that we're questioning? That, look, we can be wrong. They're always wrong. So, it's just, it's just that. Look, if the Patriots, New England Patriots in 2016 made a pick that we didn't like, and you said they know what they're doing, fair. If the New York Jets make a pick we don't like, maybe we're on to something. I don't know. You never know. Here's here's the point. I'll close out with. I talk about this all the time. I love the passion. Is what's so great. Like there are a lot of passionate fans, sports fans out there. I just don't think there's anything like the NFL. It's truly, it's truly unique. I mean, the NBA started, and I didn't even know it tipped off. Like. You know, yes. NFL is different. It's the passion of the fans. Uh, that's why I love it. And um, I think Twitter is a great meme, as long as you don't take it too seriously um, to uh, to enjoy. This is our podcast, a great one. Um, we appreciate everyone, uh, Seth, uh, Zach, Tantillo, uh, Judah Fortgang, and Tej Seth for jumping on. Brad, I appreciate you as well, brother. Just so you know, we'll be back Likewise. with you on Sunday night. Love you. Peace.